Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Teacher Cast podcast. My name is Jeff Bradbury, and today I have a very exciting show for you. We're talking all about literacy, teaching kids to have that love of reading. We have a very special guest today, the chief academic officer from a fantastic company called the 95% Group, and she's going to be on the show today talking all about a brand new program that's out there on the market today to help you and your students form a love of reading. If you haven't checked out all the great stuff on TeacherCast this week, check it out over at TeacherCast.net. we got a lot of new coaching podcasts, a lot of new blog posts, and a lot of great things to help you guys grow your educational brand. So check out everything over on TeacherCast.net today. And also, while you're there, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button to this very podcast. We love it when you guys are a part of our TeacherCast Educational Network family. My guest today is the Chief Academic Officer for the 95% Group. I'm excited to welcome to the show today, Miss Laura Stewart. Laura, how are you today? Welcome to TeacherCast. Thank you so much, Jeff. I'm delighted to be here. I'm doing great. Thank you. I am so excited to have you on today. We're talking about a brand new K-3 literacy program. Tell us a little bit about it. What is 95 Phonics Core Program? So 95 Phonics Core Program is actually now a K-5 core program and it really is designed to kind of lay those foundational skills that all of our kids need to be um, readers, readers of accuracy, fluency, and comprehension. Um, So our phonics core program is designed as a 30 minute a day uh, supplementary phonics program to kind of supplement the rest of your reading block. And we're really proud of it because first of all, with the K3 product, which we've had for a couple of years, the K3 product has really great efficacy results. We as a company are really focused on you know, third party independent research to make sure that our programs work in real classrooms with real teachers and real kids. So we have a great track record with our K3. So we just added the four or five because, well, first of all, our clients who love the K-3 want us to continue on throughout the intermediate grades. And secondly, we have really, um, we really know that laying those foundational skills doesn't end at the end of third grade, that our kids need this fourth and fifth grade focus on um, being able to attack multisyllabic words. You know, they really up the ante once our kids get into fourth and fifth grade in terms of the content and the complexity of the text that kids are being asked to read. So to really um, teach our kids about how do you decode multisyllabic words and and morphology, you know, how do you use meaningful parts of words to make sense of the text? So I call multisyllabic decoding and morphology the heavy hitters of intermediate literacy. So we're really excited to have those um, those uh, those additional grade levels in our K-5 uh, phonics core program. Yeah, I love the fact that your program now is K through five. You know, as I have to say it because I say it on all of my teacher cast programs. My triplets are now in third grade. Over the last mm-hmm. few, six months, they have gained a tremendous love for reading. I can hardly get the yeah. books out of their hands. Oh, I love that. I'm curious, just as any parent would, how does the program work? We really hang our hat on the fact that our program is evidence aligned. And we know that in this 30 minute a day lesson, we not only want to teach that kind of predictable progression of skills or those that scope and sequence of skills from least complex to more complex elements, but we want to do it in a way that um, the research has really shown to be effective instruction. So it's the content, the skills, but also effective instruction. So in 30 minutes, 
we have a lesson plan that really follows the principles of structured literacy, which is explicit instruction. Uh, our lesson plan follows a typical I do, we do, you do approach with that gradual release of responsibility for our students. Mm -hmm. um, and we know that's just good teaching. That's good principles of teaching. So in that 30 minutes, um, we're bringing in some review for consolidation of learning. And then we have the I do, we do, you do approach. We also wanna make sure that in phonics, that we're not just teaching kids phonics for the sake of phonics skills, mm -hmm. that we're applying those skills in authentic reading and authentic writing so that they understand that they're learning about this system and that the system is going to serve their ability to be readers and writers. You know, in preparing for our conversation today, I had an opportunity to check out some great video from local schools who are implementing this process. What are the teachers saying about the system? Uh, so our teachers love it. As I mentioned before, one of the reasons that we have developed the four or five is because our teachers just love the systematicity of our program materials. And I will also add to that, actually, the reason we developed the K-3 core is because the first line of products we had were our intervention and many of our intervention clients said, you know, this is terrific. This is working. We're getting great results. What about a core uh, tier one program, tier one for all of our students. Mm -hmm. So um, we get grave reviews from our teachers. They love, there's several things they really love about it. One is that explicit instruction. Um, it's very turnkey for our teachers. Once they learn about the routines, um, it's really kind of a, you know, pick it up and go. They also know it's based on good, solid teaching principles and mm -hmm. instructional principles. So they feel confident that the instruction that they're delivering is going to get results. Um, I would also say they love the, um, the active engagement of the kids. We build in manipulatives, we build in gestures, we build in all kinds of opportunities for response, student response. And those things really keep the lesson moving and the kids actively engaged. And of course, we know that when kids are actively engaged in their learning, uh, the learning tends to consolidate um, sooner and better. Well, looking at the video from those teachers in the classrooms, the one thing I noticed is that those students were engaged. I love seeing the smiles and the teachers were able just to flow through those lessons to share that love of reading. Talk to us a little bit about where we can learn more about 95 Phonics Core Program and how can a teacher in school district start to take advantage of this great system? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, probably the best place that I can really focus you to is to um, really go to our our website, www.95percentgroup.com, um, and you can follow us on social media. Our social media handles are on the website, so you can find out about um, all of that there. We're really proud of our new website. It's super easy to navigate, and you can find all about all of our products as well as our professional learning and uh, all the resources that we offer. So, Laura, obviously there's a great system here, and the fact that parents and teachers now have a complete K-5 to system to help students have that literacy advantage is amazing. Talk to us a little bit about the genesis of this. You know, we're looking right now at 95percentgroup.com. Tell us a little bit about the company. What are your missions and goals? Yeah, thank you for that. Um, so I would, I would characterize 95% Group as a leading provider of what we call trusted and proven literacy solutions. Um, trusted in that we are made by educators for educators, 
Most everyone in our company is an has an education background. Um, and so we really approach our work with both the mind of a teacher. Uh, we know what a teacher is looking for and what a teacher needs, but also with the heart of a teacher. Um, and also I mentioned proven because we do really invest as a company, and this is a real differentiator for us. We invest in third-party independent efficacy research that shows that our our programs and products work with real teachers and real kids in real classrooms. So our purpose, you know, we kind of, and we really we really kind of hold ourselves to this um, high standard. Our purpose is to unlock the power of literacy for every child. Um, and our mission is to really build on that science that I mentioned earlier, that body of evidence to empower teachers by supplying them with the knowledge and the resources and the support they need to help develop these strong readers. Um, our name, 95% Group, is really based on this knowledge that 95% or more of our students can learn to read with high quality evidence aligned instruction. Um, the origins of our company, we started as, um, again, made by educators for educators. Our company started was started by a woman named Susan Hall, Dr. Susan Hall, and she set out trying to, to as a parent, you know, trying to solve a problem, trying to discover um, why her son was struggling to read. And through her study and her research, she really learned that the, 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 the type of instruction that her student, her, her child needed to have was what we refer to as structured literacy, very explicit, systematic, sequential instruction. And with that type of instruction, her son was su successful in learning to read. And so she set out to build this company to say, you know, this is something I've learned and I've been able to help my child with this. I want to help other children by developing first and foremost teacher's knowledge. So the company really started out as professional learning for teachers. Then clients who were, um, who were building their knowledge base through 95% group started asking, well, could you develop some tools or some resources that we could use to actualize this knowledge that we're learning? And so that's when the intervention programs were developed at 95% group. And then as I mentioned earlier, those same clients uh, being very excited about what they were seeing, the results they were seeing, the type of instruction that they knew was working, they asked for us to develop this core program. Um, so now we are really proud to say we have an, an ecosystem in which we have core tier one instruction for all students. Then through our diagnostic assessments, which is another big differentiator of ours, we have diagnostic assessments in which we can look at students who might be below benchmark in core and really drill down to what those specific instructional needs are and then provide that in tier two intervention and tier three interventions. So we have resources and instructional practices that go across all tiers. And that's really when we think about our instructional ecosystem, it's aligned across tiers. There's a lot of new teachers that are coming into the profession post pandemic. And one of the things that I know that's important to you is to make sure that professional development is baked into all of these different programs yes. so we can help out our students and give them the best that we can. Talk to us a little bit about where professional development does lie with 95% group. Part of the ecosystem is ensuring that the materials themselves really help guide a teacher. So we know we have a lot of novice teachers. Sometimes we have teachers 
who haven't gone through teacher preparation who are now in classrooms. And so the materials themselves have uh, robust alignment across all tiers. So for example, we have consistent routines. So that is an advantage to our teachers and our students. When we have consistent routines with consistent academic language across all resources, that allows the students, whether they're receiving instruction in tier one, tier two, or tier three, to really kind of hit the ground running, right? Because they know these routines, they know the sound spelling mapping, for example, or sound chaining, and they can then focus their cognitive energy on the learning because they don't have to focus on the process. Also, our teachers, that's an advantage for our teachers because they can learn these routines too, and then really that frees up their energy to really focus on the students. The other thing that's kind of baked into the resources is consistent academic language. So in terms of, I mentioned earlier, the term turnkey, this is a program, these are programs that our teachers can really pick up and use um, and be confident that the instruction is solid. We wrap all that around, however, actual professional learning. So we do offer virtual product training. We offer coaching. We offer um, professional learning uh, coursework around the science of reading, around the principles of the science of reading. We want our teachers to be knowledgeable about what underscores the products that they're using. We want them to be knowledgeable about how to use the product. And we know that probably the best bang for our professional learning buck is coaching and having someone who walks alongside you side by side, especially during that first year of implementation, so that our coaches are there to help maximize the use of the programs for teachers and make sure they're acquainted with that those routines and that instructional language. So we're getting the best possible outcomes for students. Our coaches are also able to help our teachers look at data because we really want these tiers of instruction to be informed by data. We want to use those diagnostics that I mentioned earlier to really pinpoint where instruction needs to happen for our students. And so our coaches can come alongside with that as well. We're also very proud of the fact that we um, have asynchronous on-demand training. We have a course called the, the Reading Teacher's Top 10 Tools, which is a very robust in-depth course that teaches teachers about the research base, about the structured literacy approach, about all the five elements of, um, of, uh, of uh, language and the five uh, essential elements of reading. And it does it in a way that is very, uh, as I mentioned, asynchronous, on-demand, and very palatable because we also show videos of how this actualizes in the classroom. So we're building knowledge, but we're also really building practice in all we're trying to do with our professional learning. And that really surrounds the use of our products. You know, as a, as a coach, as a teacher, and even now as a parent of three young learners, um, I, I often think this is easy, right? Um, a kid goes away, kid comes back, suddenly they're reading a book, right? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how my kids did it. Um, one day we were reading basic stuff and now they went through the entire Percy Jackson series in like a week and a half. Recently, you wrote a blog post I wanted to, to pull up here and, and discuss a little bit about called Debunking the Top 10 Myths 
and misconceptions and literacy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to just poke out a few of these maybe to to kind of put a bow on this conversation, because I find this interesting. The first one that you mentioned is learning to read is like learning to speak. Now, I, I don't know about you. I kind of grew up in the 80s where it was, you know, I say apple, you read apple. I say ball, you read ball. Isn't that learning how to speak? Isn't that the same thing? Or has things changed since I grew up in the 80s? You know, so, uh, some of us were fortunate. It sounds like your your triplets are too, that reading seemingly comes relatively naturally for us. But in fact, that's a very small percentage of us. Um, reading is what um Marianne Wolf, who's a, a cognitive uh, psychologist, talks about, she calls it an unnatural act, or human beings were never born to read. And I just, I happen to have her book here. I was just going to um, share. This is a, a book called Reader Come Home, and it's about reading in the digital age. And her other book that was, this book was really impactful on, uh, for me. This was in 2009. It's called Proust and the Squid. And she really sheds light on the reading brain. The other um, book I would highly recommend is Stanislaus Dehaan's Reading in the Brain. So all of these books and and lots of other um, neuroscientific evidence, there's a huge body. When I talked about that, um, that body of evidence around the science of reading from multiple fields of study, one of those fields of study is the neuroscience. And the neuroscience has really looked at um, functional magnetic resonance imaging studies to show what happens in the brain, what activates in the brain during reading. And what we found is that for us to be readers with accuracy, fluency, and comprehension, we need to have a system built in our brain. And in fact, that system isn't naturally there. And part of the reason for that is because when you think about speaking, you know, speaking has been with us for you know, over 100,000 years. We have the physiology, we have the impetus, we have the mechanisms to speak. So when when your triplets were little, all you, you know, you had to surround them with speech, talk to them, mimic back to them, and they quite naturally learned to speak, right? In a very natural way. Most humans are like that. But when it comes to reading, because we don't have that developmental history for our brains to just naturally learn how to read. For most of us, instruction is required to build a network for reading. And in fact, what the neuroscience reveals is that we are actually taking those neurons that have previously been assigned to speech and we're kind of repurposing them to uh, connect sound and symbol or sound and print, which is the core of the alphabetic principle. And of course, in an alphabetic language like English, we have to understand how that code works. And when we think about the written language, the written language has only been with us for maybe 5,000 years, right? So we haven't had the developmental time to develop a reading brain. Um, Reading is a relatively recent invention and it indeed is an invention. a a small percentage of the world's languages even has a written component. So unlike speaking, it's not a naturally occurring event. It's an invention. And we haven't had, you know, thousands of years uh, to really develop a brain devoted to that. So some people, but it's a very small percentage, uh, maybe 5% of us learn to read relatively effortlessly. But for most of us, instruction is required. And for the majority of us, a very specific type of instruction, you know, very um, explicit instruction is required. 
So it's an interesting thing. And, and that's why, and the reason I, I wrote that blog about myths and misconceptions is because I came up as a teacher during an era that many people refer to as the whole language era. And during that time, that, that idea, which sounds great, wouldn't that be wonderful, you know, if we just applied the same conditions to learning to read that we do to learning to speak, right? Like if we could just immerse kids in books and let them explore and, you know, show them how a good reader reads and then voila, you know, they learn to read. But in fact, that's, that's not the case at all. And if we treat reading like that, um, we do a disservice to many of our kids because most, again, most of us require a certain type of instruction. Laura, I love that answer. I want to take a moment right now and ask you about one more of these myths here. Uh, and again, this is coming from the triplet dad. All children learn to read differently. Why, why is that a myth? I'm, I'm going to I'm going to push yeah. back on you for that one. <laughs> I, I think my kids are learning how to read differently. But yeah. you tell me, why is that a myth? Yeah, so that that's a very appealing idea because all children are different. You know this because you've got triplets, right? And they're all, I'm sure, very, very different. So all children are different. They have different dispositions. They're unique. Everybody is unique and special. What's interesting, though, is that the brain architecture for learning to read is surprisingly similar in virtually all of us. And one of the um, resources that I mentioned earlier, Stanislaus Dehaan, who's probably the reading uh, leading researcher in this field, basically says that, you know, that, um, you know, the brain architecture that we need to learn to read is is pretty much the same in all of us. And so instructional principles can be applied to virtually all of us to teach us to read. We're talking here today to Laura Stewart, the Chief Academic Officer from the 95% Group. Laura, I want to say thank you so much for spending time with us today on TeacherCast. Please come back on the show and share more about this great system. Before I let you go, tell us one more time, where can we learn more about the 95% Group? You bet. So um, I would say, first and foremost, go to our website, www.95percentgroup.com, and there you can easily navigate through and learn about our professional learning, about all of our products and services. Um, also, social media at 95% group, all one. Um, and that's percent spelled out, not the percent sign. Um, also, feel free to reach me in social media. I'm at Stuart Laura D. Um, and uh, yeah, that's how you can get a hold of us. There's certainly a lot of great opportunities out there to help you and your students form a love of literacy check out all the great stuff today over at 95percentgroup.com and as laura just mentioned it's 95 percent all spelled out p-e-r-c-e-n-t group.com that wraps up this episode of teacher cast on behalf of laura and everybody here on teacher cast my name is jeff Fredberry, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students